Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino and Chris Fuller, helping you and people across the globe live life to the fullest. Our focus is on you, so you can be your best and create the life you deserve. Visit us at besteveryou.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Best Ever You Show. I did just play the wrong intro. Mary, I told you that might happen, but that's okay. Chris Fuller is not with us today, uh, but you've got you've got me and Mary. So I've Mary Joy with me. She is, um, wow, Mary, we're going to talk a lot about you today, but um, you're, you're an author uh, with HCI Books, and this book, I have it right in front of me here. It's called Codependent Discovery and Recovery 2.0, A Holistic Approach to Healing and Freeing Yourself. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you for having me, Elizabeth. I really appreciate I, uh, it. Oh, yeah. I'm, a fellow, I'm so H- a fellow HCI author. I'm very glad to talk with a fellow HCI author. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're fabulous, aren't they? Amazing. They let, they let you be you, which is the whole point of my book, and probably the point of yours when you're going to change, be yourself, change to be yourself. That's it. That's exactly it. Okay, we can be done now, right? <laughs> we, saved, we saved everybody about an hour's worth We've of time. Just, you be you. Just be you. Okay. No, okay. Uh, really, um, I, I would love for uh, people to know that you are a healed codependent, as you call yourself, a licensed therapist with uh, the initials LMHC after your name. And you really help people get in touch with your emotions. You have a really uh, unique approach that gives um, kind of a holistic alternative to a typical, maybe like a 12-step addiction model, um, and and you really cover the the full spectrum of what codependency is. So if you're listening and you're like, what is codependency? You're going to know that, and you're going to hear about Mary's book. And I also would like to let you know that you can visit Mary at her website at winterhavencounseling.com. And um, Mary, how did you go from singer-songwriter in Nashville at Warner Brothers, <laughs> to this moment now, here with me on the Best Ever You Show. There's got to be a good story. Well, it, it is. I mean, and it's a story of reinvention. So hopefully it's going to inspire someone out there. At age 45 years, uh, I turned on the television, and Ted Turner had sold Time Warner to AOL. And I knew that my contract wouldn't be renewed because when, when corporations – merge they usually purge and that's exactly what happened they have a changing of the guard so I said oh my goodness I ran and got my contract out of the filing cabinet and I said I have 2.5 years to reinvent I took a law school exam and just like you talked about be yourself I, I don't I'm not a fighter so I said I can't fight for a living I can't be an attorney so the short story of it is my father was a psychiatrist I already was getting people in touch with their feelings as a songwriter, and it, was, and it was a natural progression. It really sounds like it isn't the same, but I can tell you that sitting in my office and talking to people and helping them get in touch with their emotions is exactly the same process that we use to write a song. Songwriters sit down, talk about their feelings, and we put it to rhyme and music. I actually do songwriting therapy in my office to this day, and I have meditation musics on YouTube. On, on YouTube that go with this, every chapter in this book. So to me, it seems like uh, it seems like they're not connected, but they're very much connected, very very much connected. Music is how you get in touch with your emotions, and uh, you know I, I have a songwriter wrote the foreword of my book, so we get to know each other pretty well. So hopefully that'll help people. It really was not so much of a reinvention as a transition 
from one form of healer to another, if that makes sense. I think it does. And, you know, that was one of the <clears throat> one of the things that I read was the forward to the book um, right off the bat. It just sort of drew me in. Um, because, you know, in reading the back uh, of your book to learn that you were a singer-songwriter, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting transition or reinvention or, or whatever you want to say to go from that to that. And my question was, you know, I wonder if she uses music to heal. And it sounds like you. Oh, yeah. That's the whole thing. My office is full of sound bowls. And, <laughs> you know, when people bring children in and they um, uh, they they get crabby, I've got little chimes and things that instantly stop them in their tracks and make them happy. You know, there's just certain notes that are we – use, we use musical terms to describe relationships as being harmonious or discordant or, you know, to positive or negative. But we use things in music like, boy, we have the same rhythm. You and I are in sync. We have the same cadence. You know, I really I, I feel with you. You know, you're resonating with me. These are all musical terms. And uh, that, you know, music does heal. It is a healer. It is like meditation. It gets you in touch with your subconscious. You know, you can instantly turn on a song from a good time in your life and just feel great. Conversely, you can do it the other way, but you can... Music is also a, a healer in itself. Did you did you ever think, oh, I'm going to write a book? Um, you know, I I did not. I had a tragedy in my family, and and some of it is covered in the book. And I had to face all my family secrets. I do have a sense of humor because most songwriters do. You have to. <laughs> Obviously, you have to laugh to keep them crying. There's a country song title right there. No one's written it yet. But, um, yeah, I said, boy, I have to tell my entire family secrets to the state of Texas. And I'm glad Texas is such a big state because we had a lot of secrets. And when my brother passed away, it was very unusual, and I don't really want to, you know, go into that, um, bring anybody down on airtime. But it was a catalyst and a catapult that made me face my codependency. I already knew I had it. I already knew uh, I was losing myself and protecting images of my family and being a psychiatrist's daughter is a lot like what you hear from being a preacher's kid. You have to keep up an image and you're an extension mm-hmm. of the family. So to define codependency too, it may help people to hear it. You lose yourself making sure everybody else is okay. And uh, it's not a formal disorder. So I can tell you what is not as well. It's not a formal disorder, but it certainly feels like one because you just give until you give out a burnout and I realized, I said, oh, my goodness, you know, this, this could have been prevented. Things could have been done. The, that tragedy did not have to occur the way it did had I known what I know now. So I went soul searching, started a journal, which is not in that book, but that <laughs> journal became the marrow, the marrow of what is in that book. And then I went and did research and neuroscience and went and got help myself and went to an addictions doctor to find out what was going on in my brain that protected people at my own detriment. So that's it in a nutshell, how that happened. So, so keep, no, I didn't plan on writing a book. It, I guess it planned on me writing it. That's all I can say. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it took a, a tragedy to, um, to, you know, keep going with the moments and so forth. Um, that's, that's always kind of a bummer for sure. Um, or, uh, do you, do you want to talk about more about like, you gave us a little bit of a, of, of a definition of codependency, but it, it feels more complicated than that to me. 
Can you explain more? You know, it really, it really, it, it is because it's been, I wish they would, there, I really wish that they would call it what it actually is, and a woman named Barbara Oakley, who I've quoted in my book, did call it pathological altruism, which means you can believe the best and the worst of people. And in doing so, you can get taken advantage of. Uh, you know, people say, well, you, you can't, you just can't give enough. We, sometimes you give to you give out. You have to receive and give. I think people that are codependent don't understand the cycle of giving and receiving and receiving and giving and flow. You can't right. give from an empty well. You can't pour water out of an empty well. So a lot of the symptoms of codependency are people-pleasing. Uh, I know I diminished myself to make others feel better all the time. I used to play dumb all the time thinking it was what people liked. You know, people, um, you know, especially uh, in where, in the area where I live, you know, girls weren't supposed to be smart or intelligent, and so you just played dumb. You know, you, you couldn't be funny and intelligent. So, you, so I, I just didn't ever, you know, not that I'm brilliant, but I certainly downplayed sure. any intelligence that I had. Um, and also people that are codependent, they feel really selfish or guilty when they don't meet the needs of others. They can never say no, and they always feel like they're too little, too much, or not enough. It's just constant, you know, rescuing. Um, they have this need to be needed, and uh, they cover and take falls for people. And they also, they give out of their finances until they just don't have any more. Sometimes they give to all charities until they become a charity case themselves. And then they get really angry about that sometimes. And uh, they feel over-responsible for things. So hopefully that'll be, that's just a brief list of symptoms. But really it is just giving of yourself where you lose yourself. You lose yourself. You think about others. So my favorite way to say it, and this will hopefully resonate with your audience, it's like narcissism in reverse. Narcissists are hyper-focused on themselves, and codependents are hyper-focused on everyone else. Interesting. Okay, so break it down a little bit more for me, because uh, I let's just take me, for example. I'm a parent of four, bo- four sons. They're now 20, 21, 20, 22, 24, and 26. And I... You know, I think every parent <laughs> feels all of those things. You give, 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 you give. But that doesn't make you a codependent. So can you oh, can you draw not. the line? No. Yeah. Can so just oh, so absolutely. people understand because in we, we are in. Very... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no. I mean, w- there are a number of of things out there these days that say to women, especially moms and all these things, you know, take back, take back your life, do this, do that. And another thing. And it's like, it, it has an element of like, don't, don't take care of your kids. And so where's the line? Well, in the book, and I have addressed that. So right after all those symptoms in the book, and there's a much longer list than, than what I just said there, I tell yeah. people, yes, there is absolutely times you must give. And sometimes you must give until you give out when you're taking care of children your elderly parents, a relative that may have to have a need. I mean, though, that is not codependency. That is necessity. That is life. Absolutely. No, it's not. Now, if you're a parent and you keep giving and giving and giving to a child and you're bailing them out of jail every three or four months and you're covering up for them or you're calling their school and making excuses for when they don't show up, that can be codependent. Does that make sense for Very one is so. healthy giving and the other one, yes. Yes. 
Yeah, and I do think that's important to to let you know to kind of make some of those distinctions so people, because you know I I think a lot of people might check all those boxes, be like yeah I'm really tired right now I've given this and given that and given this and given that and given this and given that and it doesn't necessarily make you codependent it just might make you a tired spouse or a tired parent or a tired caregiver. It just makes you, you know, compassionate. I mean it means yeah. it does mean you need to take some time to self care though. It absolutely does. It means you, you can get compassion fatigue without being codependent. So I tell people that have compassion fatigue, no, you're not codependent, but you have compassion fatigue, or you're just fatigued. Please take time to yourself. I mean, even if you just get out for 10 or 15 minutes a day and take a walk and just take a breather, squeeze it in somewhere so you can recoup and regroup. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's kind of where I was going with it. I'm like, okay, yeah, we there's there's a I think there's just a big difference. So what what is um, Give us a little bit more. I'm going to keep going because I think it's a really important topic because does it, does it necessarily mean that you're in an abusive relationship? No, it does not. Not at all. Uh, it just shows up that way a lot, but it doesn't mean that you're in one. Usually there is some allowance. Here's where the codependent doesn't like hearing it. They've allowed people to take advantage of them. They've allowed people to scare them. They've allowed people to tell them you have to keep the family secret. You have to take these things to your grave. You know why? Because it's your family. Well, you know, blood is thicker than water, but you wouldn't want to drink it. So um, some of these messages that we hear through time need to be deconstructed. If If it's a family secret that everyone's complicit with and there's no perpetrator in the family, that's great. But if you're protecting a perpetrator, that's not great. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, it does. So how do you how do you discern again between what's codependent and what's just being plain old nice and helpful? Uh, the, how you feel if you're completely burned out. If you're completely burned out and you feel like you've given into you've given out and you start getting angry or irritable or you're so exhausted that you're running on fumes, then something is out of balance something. Now you have four boys. That's a handful. But you didn't do you couldn't possibly have done that all alone every day. So sometimes <laughs> no. you have to reach out for help. You do. I mean th- thank goodness there's school to send them to sometimes, right? Yeah, definitely. And my husband's, you know, uh, a wonderful father and was there every step of the way. So, you know, right. and we're all different for sure. Um do you think that so I've, this is a really interesting topic to me, and I'm, I've got your book right in front of me, which, by the way, is for people tuning in just now. Her book is called Codependent Discovery and Recovery 2.0, and um, we're speaking with Mary Joy, J-O-Y-E is how you spell her last name. And Mary, is your book available? Is it in pre-order or is it, is it available now? It just came out August 31st, so that Beautiful. was uh, a couple of days ago at the time of this airing. So, yes, awesome. it, you can get it now. Now, in some places where you've been affected by the hurricane or fires, it, it has been it's coming in a little bit later, but it is available. And you can also buy it in bookstores, too. Okay. What was your, what was your aha moment of, like, I am a codependent? Well, and, and you're very brave to say that out loud and be vulnerable for us so that well, we can learn. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it brave. I got called up. I was in graduate school. I told you. I was 45 and went back to school. And I was writing songs full-time at the time, too. So I was writing songs and term papers. Uh, so thank you, Tim Whipperman from 
Warner Brothers, who is now with Resident Music, for allowing me to do that because he was a very kind, loving boss. I, you just couldn't ask for a better man than him. But uh, in, in that moment that I was in graduate school, I got called up after class right before my internship. And my professor, you're codependent. <laughs> and I said, what's that? I didn't even know what it was. I had no idea. I said, I don't live with a drug addict. I don't live with an alcoholic. She said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, people ask you questions in class that you answer about, you know, being in music business. People are just curious. You have no boundaries. You're going to have to learn. People are going to eat you alive as a therapist. And she said, it takes one to know one because I'm the daughter of an alcoholic. And she said, but I said, but I'm not the daughter of an alcoholic. And she said, no, you just don't have boundaries. You allow people to walk all over you. You allow people to say things to you in class. They treat you like you're stupid and you're not. And it opened my eyes. And, and she said, you, you have to understand that I'm going to help you not be codependent. So that was my aha moment that I was codependent. And I resisted, and I didn't believe her, and they ate me alive. I, they really did when I went into um, to my internship. It was another counselor, actually, who did. And uh, I said, wow, boy. I had my awakening. So that was the beginning of the end of my codependency. It's just a recognition of it and unraveling it and learning what it was and mostly what it wasn't. And that one of the other supervisors there did a maze. They have a maze um, that you, you're blindfolded. They tie a rope to trees. They make the counselors, the nurses, and the patients do the same maze. And you go around and around a circle, and the truth is you can never get off of it. You're blindfolded. It's a rope. It has no end. It's, it has infinity. So he would say, if you ask for help, I mean, if you need help, ask for it. He said that probably, this took an hour and a half exercise. <laughs> if you need help, ask for it. So we go around and around. And so I raised my hand finally, and, I, and, I, and he had to whisper to him. I said, if I ask for help, is that how I get off of this? And he said, are you asking for help? And I said, I didn't say that. I said, if I ask for help, will I get off of this? And he said, are you asking for help? And I finally said, oh, okay, yes. And I got off. And at the end, he took me and the two nurses who also did not get off, and all of the patients did before us. He said, these are the codependents who take care of you. You are the people who ask them to help you, and they are sacrificing themselves, going around and around and around in circles to help you when you don't really want help. Stop using these people to help you help yourself. Amazing exercise, wasn't it? Yeah, that's pretty. That's actually pretty interesting. Um, yes, all of us with these great master's degrees, we're all like, oh, so educated, and people that have been heroin addicts are getting off before we are, and not to judge that at all. It's just saying like, wow, this is an eye-opener. I'm as helpless as they are, and I learned in that 12-step model, which is not what my book's written from, but I learned that very first one, we are powerless. I said, I am powerless over this. I'm going to help ask my professor to help me ask for help. Interesting. Do you feel like this was something that you were born with, or is it something that you learn along the way? I think, you know, I think it's individual. In my case, uh, I think I was born this way, and I was taught this way uh, because I was a psychiatrist's daughter. But people that are born with codependency that are just come out of the – you can see children do it. Like children will overshare that they see another child crying because their ice cream cone fell on the ground. They hand them their ice cream cone. 
They don't share the ice cream cone. They just hand them the whole cone. So that's an empathetic child, a highly sensitive child with a lot of empathy and emotional intelligence. That doesn't make them codependent. It's just something is dysfunctional in the house that teaches them they need to give everything. They need to give it their all. Uh, I know that in my case that that is what happened is that I was taught to just give it my all at no matter what. But I do think people are born with extra empathy or they're empaths or highly sensitive people. I am one of those. 20% of the population is just born that way to keep mm-hmm. everyone safe if that's why they're in society. And uh, in doing so, if you have anything in the house that you grow up in that's out of kilter and can be misconstrued by a child's mind to be this family scapegoat or, um, you know, be the family clown, I was both of those roles, then then you can be taught. So it can be taught or you can be innate. You just have to be careful for it. Got it. Are there any positives? Um, you know, sometimes, uh, like one of my friends wrote the four gifts of anxiety. Are there any gifts of, of being codependent or is it all like negative and stigma? Oh, it's, it's wonderful. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's wonderful. There's wonderful components to it. That's why it's not a disorder. How can the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association call overcompassion, loving, giving, caring people who give till they give out a disorder? You can't. So the beauty of codependency is it, they're compassionate people. The world needs them, but we as codependents need to learn to give to things that good for our souls too to not give to you, give out. Like I still give a lot to a lot of people. Do I mess up? Yes, I'm still a work in progress. I got stuck <laughs> for a cab ride a couple months ago by a doctor. He said, I'm busy. I'm going to the airport. I'll split the cab ride with you. I'm like, wow. And I said, best $20 I ever lost. <laughs> you know, I was grateful. I said, well, there I did it again. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, and so it's, so no, there, there's, it's not all bad. You have compassion, you have kindness, you have empathy. All of these are great qualities. They just have to be in balance. You have to give them back to yourself too. It's like be aware, self-care, so you can better care for others. You just cannot give from that empty place. You just cannot give from a place of exhaustion. You will get irritable. And then you start saying, saying things that are our codependent phrases like, look at all I do for you and this is the thanks I get. That, that means you, you may have given to you've given out. Makes sense. All right. Um, neuro, tell us in your book the the uh, role that neuroscience plays. It's extremely important to understand it. And I'll try to put it in the smallest nutshell I can. Everyone has heard of fight, flight, and frozen responses. That is your autonomic nervous system. But what people don't hear much about, parasympathetic nervous system, which is your vagus nerve, and it runs from your brainstem through your face, your throat, your heart, your lungs, and all your vital organs. So when you say you have a gut feeling about something, pay attention to that. And I teach people how to pay attention to their tension. So if somebody says, will you bake a 1,000 pies for my wedding, and you just want to say, oh, yes, thank you for thinking of me. Oh, I, you, that must mean you, I'm wonderful. You know, that's what a codependent would do. Oh, someone needs me. How great. But you know you can't do it. And then you walk away going, why did I say yes to that? I can't do it. Your vagus nerve may have just stimulated you to get all excited and make your heart race. 
and make you say things you don't mean. So neuroscience is crucial to help people recognize their physiology to codependency. Also, neuroscience is in my book to help people do meditations. And they don't, they don't be scared of the word meditation. They're guided images of things that you imagine yourself giving and living from a place of wholeness and wellness instead of exhaustion. And in that, it retrains your brain to think in beautiful ways because it's, it's the original person who ever did uh, hypnosis said, imagine a big lemon in your hand, put it on a cutting yeah. board, cut it and take a huge bite out of it. And if you're salivating and everybody probably is, do you see how powerful your mind is to change you? I mean, yeah. your brain, well, I, I, I'm just on a phone telling people that and I'm salivating. That's just, I mean, I've done it hundreds of times with people. That's just how powerful your brain is to change your behaviors and so neuroscience will help people with codependent behaviors and hyperreactivity. Uh, there's something that you just said where you said yes to baking a thousand pies or however many it was, <laughs> for example. Um, what's, what's a better answer for that when somebody asked you to, to do that? I know I was in this um, situation. I, I wrote about it in my first book um, where I kept saying yes to everything um, school volunteer. And um, I, I probably am one of the last people you ever want at a craft fair for school, helping little kids put crafts together and things like that. And yet, for some reason, I kept saying yes until I finally said no. And then everybody was mad. Oh, yes. That's in my book. I cover that. Don't expect everyone to applaud you when you make boundaries. No. They don't. In fact, they're very irritable with you. It's part of the withdrawal symptom. That's why I went to an addictions doctor to break codependency because – it's very much like an addiction. You get dopamine when you help people and you say yes and they approve of you. It's that approval-seeking behavior. It lights up the reward system in your brain. So when you say no to people and they disapprove of you, it does the opposite. It releases adrenaline and cortisol and causes anxiety to say no. So really when you're saying yes to someone, you're relieving your own anxiety because you think they're going to be mad at you if you don't do it. Do you see how twisted that system is? It's pretty out there, and yeah. So what I tell, yeah, so what I tell people to do, because I certainly was one of them and I still occasionally get caught up in that, I use the gratitude sandwich. It's an old model, but I've modified it for this project. And I tell people, thank you, pay attention to your vagus nerve first. Stop, take a breath, pay attention. Is it your stomach pounding? You know, just your heart, your lungs, takes your breath away. Is something in your body making you tense? Are your shoulders up around your ears when people, if you see someone coming and it's somebody that always never gets in contact with you unless they want something, we've all had that feeling. We all know someone like that. If you feel that, pay attention to it and then just calmly take a breath and look at them and say, thank you for thinking of me. I'm not going to be able to do that right now, but I appreciate you thinking I could. If they keep hammering at you, then you can say, I really can't. But a gratitude sandwich means thank you, no way, thank you. <laughs> because codependents no can't say no. You. I did not say no. And then, thank you for thinking that I could do that. I really appreciate you thinking I, I'm really that talented to bake a thousand pies. However, I just couldn't do a good job for you. But thank you for thinking of me. And you walk away. Yeah. And they then they walk like after you. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, no, no. You've, Mary, you've got to make it. In fact, then, we really need 1,200, really, Mary. <laughs> yes. And that's when you say, I absolutely cannot do that. 
and you still haven't said no. You set a boundary. Sometimes you need to put your hand up. You will feel anxious. You will have withdrawal symptoms. That anxiety from codependency withdrawal is a lot like addiction because you will now not take, get the dopamine. Now take it one more step. You will. Can you? I'm with my friends. Can you believe Mary said no to that? Oh, my God, that Mary. She's such a jerk <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Now what's that? Well, that happened to me not long after uh, I started writing this book and another I project. I've, ri- I've written a lot of articles and things on codependency. Oh, that absolutely happened to me. Like, I can't believe that you did that. And I said, well, you know that book I wrote on codependency? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, I read it too. I said, <laughs> what you're asking is something you would never ask anyone else but me. But, I, but you also know I can't do that. I'm overextended. So I said, I, I, I'm not being mean. I'm just, I'm changing because yeah. it's, it's just been too long. I've been too strong for too long, and I'm just not able to do that. And then sometimes you find yourself with an entirely new set of friends. Yes, find other recovering codependents or recovered codependents because that is the beautiful you asked about the beautiful side of it. That is a beautiful side, and I have friends like that that are working on it. And we don't hold ourselves recount- accountable. We hold ourselves responsible because one is a punishing word and the other one is kind. So, yes, hang around other people who care about you. You know, when you say, where do you want to go to lunch? Where do you want to go? Let's figure it out together, you know, not the Chip and Dale. Like, you, you, after you, remember Chip and Dale from the – um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The cartoons with the two little chipmunks that they were so polite that they never got anywhere or got anything done. But it is so nice to have friendships with people who understand that dynamic and are just allowing each other to be themselves and to, you know, to say no when they mean no, yes when they mean yes. Just find another recovering codependent. That'll be the best, best friendship you've ever had. Beautiful. All right. So we're out of time on the radio here, but um, is there anything else that um, we're going to go pop on over to video next, which will be fun. There's going to be a video component to this interview with Mary today, um, and that'll be posted all over our YouTube and things like that. And our radio show, of course, you can hear it on iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Um, And then, of course, you can visit Mary at winterhavencounseling.com, and her book is now available wherever books are sold. And it's called Codependent Discovery and Recovery 2.0, A Holistic Approach to Healing and Freeing Yourself. And uh, Mary Joy is spelled J-O-Y-E, Mary, M-A-R-Y. And um, Mary, anything else before we go? Well, I I just want to say thank you, first of all. And I really, really do appreciate this. And speaking of video components, at the end of every chapter is the meditation and guided imagery, and there are YouTube videos that you can access for free. Just put Mary Joy Codependency, and the cover of the book is on there. So every you don't have to do your own meditation by reading it. It's right there on YouTube for you. I put them out for you with voiceovers and music for each chapter, and the chapters are marked. So I just wanted to let people know that was available if they did decide to buy the book. Beautiful. And we had several comments uh, while you were speaking. I didn't take live phone calls on the show due to time, but you can always get in touch with Mary um, on her website. Just follow up with that. Uh, Mary, if, if uh, I may send you some of these because people had a few questions or maybe we'll cover them in, uh, in the video portion next. So Mary, thank you very much for being on the Best Ever You show and 
much success with your new book. And uh, I, I love your book. And I especially for anybody listening, I really like the life lists at the end of each chapter, too. I think those are really I love I love books that have like an actionable um, component to them. And this does. So this helps you actually take action. And um, it's a, it's a really good read. And it's, uh, it's also not a super, I'm surprised it's not a super, and I love this too, Mary, by the way, I'm surprised and I love it. It's not a super complicated read. It's not like reading a textbook. Thank you for that. No, <laughs> no, no. I've read too many textbooks to know how not to write like a textbook. <laughs> yeah. I was worried when I, I'm yes. like, oh, it's going to be a textbook. Not a textbook, folks. Um, very conversational. You hear Mary's voice, and there's exercises at the end of each chapter. And I, I do have one question that we're going to – thanks for sending this in, by the way. If if they don't feel like they're codependent, but they still love you and want to read the book, what's one of the best things you think they'll get out of the, those moments with you and your book? I, I think they'll just learn how to live from a place of wellness and wholeness. And there's a lot of great ideas in there, like the life list you mentioned. Everybody's got things in their life they don't want, and many people in decision-making, they don't know how to make a decision. Knowing what you don't want and then knowing what you do want is very important in deductive reasoning. So I think they'll learn a lot about making decisions and just how to give from a place of wellness. I mean, everybody's going to be taken advantage of at some point in their life. I think it's just good lessons. And also everybody knows somebody that may be in this situation, and they can help people help themselves. It really is truly a self-help book because at the end you are writing your own list of what you want yeah. for your life that have nothing to do with my ideas. They're coming right out of the person who's reading it. Just Beautiful good for on many levels. Of any kind. Yeah. All right. All right, Mary. We'll see you on video in a little bit. Thank you all so much for listening okay, to the Best Ever You Show. Thank you, Mary. And um, everybody, take care and thank you very much for listening. And again, Mary's book is called Codependent Discovery and Recovery 2.0. I'm going to read the whole thing, a holistic approach to healing and freeing yourself. All right, Mary, we will, uh, we'll talk to you soon and um, we'll, we'll catch you over on video. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.